Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on our website. We're so glad you've come to be part of our broadcast family from our website. And wherever you are hearing this broadcast, I pray it's going to be a special blessing to you. Uh, I know it will be a blessing if you will receive the Word of God as holy seed into a good ground heart. Hallelujah. A heart that is prepared uh, to give heed uh, to what you're going to hear from the Word of God today. You know, the Scripture declares that we should give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip. And I want you to know if the heart isn't prepared, the enemy will come very quickly to steal away the seed. The weeds will choke it out before it can really take root and grow up into that fruitful full, fruit-filled life that God desires every one of us to have. Amen. So we're, we're excited about God's Word today because it is a pruning and purging Word, not just encouragement and, and consolation and comfort, but it is a counseling Word to prune and to purge and to perfect His church. Hallelujah. And we are all, regardless of your denominational affiliation, if you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, repented of your sin, and received His gracious forgiveness, you are part of the body of Christ and His members in particular. Praise God. So today, being part of that body, uh, the Bible said that He has purified that body. He has purged it, cleansed it with the washing of water by the Word. Hallelujah. So this Word is to help, help us in a very, very polluted, putrid, fallen world to be purified in our heart, in our attitudes, in our character, that we might serve the Lord acceptably and victoriously victoriously in these last days. We're going to be talking about enemies of the cross, uh, and we're going to make sure when we're through with this teaching that every one of us as God's children are holding, clinging, as the old camp meeting song said, I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Praise God. Well, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Philippians 3, verse 17 through 19, on the subject, enemies of the cross, enemies of the cross. Listen to the words of Paul to the church and the Christians at Philippi. He says, brethren, be not, be rather followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have us for an example. This is good right here because it's saying, follow, follow, first he says in other portions of scripture, follow me as I follow Christ. And now he's saying, follow me and others uh, who are following the example that we 
apostles have said. Amen. Listen to verse 18. Oh, by the way, let's go back to 17 for a minute. Not only mark them which walk according to God's truth and the principles and precepts that, that have been not only taught but demonstrated through the lives of God's leaders that were set in the church during that time and this time. But he said, mark those that cause divisions among you as well. So we need to be able to discern. In order to mark those, we need to be able to discern them. And it's not as easy as you may think. Listen to verse 18. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Now, I've never seen a day like this. Uh, we just celebrated 45 years of pastor slash evangelist ministry always had an outreach whether it was the jail ministry in our city whether it was the 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 not dvd but the actual vhs tape ministry at a military base in germany where there was no uh, church of like faith so our tapes were sent to germany and people would come from that air base and air force base and they would come to a home where their church service was our church service uh, after it had been taken place and sent to them by videotape. We, we reached out in North Carolina to a nursing home who someone who wasn't called to preach or teach would take our morning service and play it by VHS, the old VHS tape, and it was, and then they would make uh, the equivalent of an invitation or an altar call. So the Word of God has went into many, many, many places. But, and we've seen the changes come down through the years. Now there is a message that is being brought to the forefront in many Christian circles. And I say this also with a broken heart like Paul's. There are many who mind earthly things. Once we begin to look through the lens of the flesh and the material and the temporal world, we do not rightfully divide the Word of God because we cannot rightfully discern the Word of God. You know, the Bible said, I, I wish above all things that you be in good health and prosper as your soul prospers. And if we see prosper simply in the material sense, and we see it as brick and mortar and metal and rubber, uh, I'm talking about mansions and, and, and extraordinarily uh, uh, expensive vehicles, if we see it in expensive gold and silver, uh, and we do not see that in the fact that God says real, true, prosperity is when in your spirit you begin to develop and grow and be fruitful and have discernment. You see, the Bible said strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, who by reason of the exercise of their senses are able to discern good and evil. 
when we are not able to be discerning as children of God, we are easily deceived. And I believe there are many who are self-deceived today. And this is a strong meat message because we are living in the last of the last days and we cannot uh, give milk constantly to God's people in a day in the last days when the, the one of the signs would be many false prophets would go out into the earth and deceive many and because the, the because iniquity would abound the love of many would wax cold and friend of mine without the the real love first love that brings devotion to follow Christ, then we put on a religious front, simply a sham, something, an empty shell of a true walk with God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. We are told in Scripture from such to turn away. So we're to mark them that are following the words and the teachings and the example of the apostles. And we are to also mark them that do not. And if we study the scripture, we'll discover very quickly that the Christian faith allows no middle ground. You can't serve two masters, for you will love one and you will hate the other. You see, there's no, there's no in-between there was a song by Burl Ives many, many years ago about a, a Mr. In-Between makes a feller mean. And friend of mine, I want you to know the worst place for a Christian to be is undecided, uncommitted in the area of their allegiance to follow Jesus Christ. We find that many people think they can straddle the fence and they can be a friend of the world and be a friend of God and be befriended by God. But the scripture said, if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. We have to make a choice and we have to stand true to the choice that we make. Listen to this carefully. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, 19 through 24. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, Jesus speaking, where moth and rust doth corrupt and where the thieves break through and steal. But lay up yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. For no man, verse 24, can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. It's amazing here, this word mammon. It's talking about the material and the physical of this world. You can't serve uh, the, 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 the idols of, of the world. And you know, listen about idols. I want to make a, a statement about that. You may be visualizing a great golden or stone idol that is worshipped. 
But the scripture gets closer than that. It speaks of covetousness, which is idolatry in the New Testament. Covetousness, always looking at what the world says and the world holds up as, as, as that that you would need. If I had that, if I acquired this, then I could find total fulfillment and happiness and joy in life. And we begin to covet the things of this world instead of coveting the things of God. You know, the Bible said we're to covet the best gifts. We're to desire to have the gifts that are appropriate to our calling and our our ministry. Whatever it is that we do for God, there are gifts of the Holy Spirit available to us to to help us to do it supernaturally and not just with our own abilities. Hallelujah. It's not by might. It's not by power. It is by my spirit, saith the Lord. One translation of this scripture said you can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. You can't do it. And when the money message, I remember years ago when there was a paradigm shift in the message. I remember a time because I've been in ministry now for, for over four decades, 45 years. The, the Assembly of God organization years ago, I believe it was Assembly, uh, it was one of the major Pentecostal denominations. Uh, they, they wanted to know what the Spirit was saying to the church, and they quizzed all of the pastors that, that, that were under their organizational uh, 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 registration. What is the predominant message that God has given you to bring to your people and including their evangelist? And there were two outstanding messages that seemed to be paramount and, and take first and first place. Listen to what they were. Number one, how, where are we prophetically? Where are we prophetically? How soon is Jesus coming again and what are the signs of his coming? What a, what a wonderful priority that was being preached and, and being uh, yearned for in the church. The songs represented that, that great uh, truth that was being brought to God's people about the soon coming of our, our Lord and Savior and our gathering together unto him. And the songs like there's a whole lot of people going home. And by the signs of, of the times, it won't be long. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sounds like songs like Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will meet their doom. Trumpets will sound. Oh, friend, there was a desire. I can't wait to see Jesus talking about the soon coming of the Lord was a theme song for one of our radio broadcasts many decades ago, several decades ago, over 30 years ago, actually. And oh, oh, what a joy it was to have that spirit of anticipation for the soon coming of the Lord. 
people wanted to be ready for His coming. Amen. Hallelujah. And the second great message that was being preached and desired to be heard where throngs come to hear it was, How can I walk with God? How can I be a true follower of Jesus, a true disciple? How can I be more devoted unto Him that I may be led by His Spirit? Praise God. Amen. Friend of mine, there was a shift from the spiritual and the eternal to the material and the physical. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't take the the focus from the spiritual and the eternal to the physical and the material. When we serve Him only for what is in in it in this temporal world, in effect, a, 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 a better car, a bigger home, a, a more gold and silver. Is that how we identify ourselves as the true followers of Jesus? Because our priorities, what we are hunger for and seek after, match exactly the priorities and the values of this fallen world from such turn away. We need to mark those that walk according to the standard set by the apostles in the Word of God and mark those also who walk contrary to it even if they are in a pulpit with a large following. Because the Bible said many false prophets will come in Matthew's Gospel twenty four, eleven and twelve, what shall be the sign in the beginning of that chapter of thy coming? When shall these things be? they ask. One of those signs of the last of the last days, the soon coming of Christ, and all these things being dissolved, one of those signs is recorded in the eleventh and twelfth verse of Matthew twenty four, and many, Jesus speaking, many false prophets shall go out into the earth and they shall deceive many and because iniquity shall abound i'm going to tell you if you're not walking in the spirit you're fulfilling the lust of the flesh biblically scripturally that is declared walk in the spirit that you not fulfill the lust of the flesh the only way for the flesh not to have rule and reign is to live the crucified life If any man will be my disciple, it begins with self-denial, not selfishness, not self-seeking, not self-exaltation, not living, loving pleasure. Another sign, loving pleasure, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Oh, friend of mine, we need, we need this hunger for God's spirit and God's truth and God's kingdom. We need, to tra- we need to travel light in this old world and get rid of the baggage that many of us carry. Deny ourselves doesn't mean to be empty and unfulfilled. It means to make room for more of God. Hallelujah. And 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 the space that we open up when we take up our cross, the next prerogative and the next imperative to following Jesus 
doesn't begin with with selfishness and self-exaltation it be, and self-seeking. It begins with self-denial and then taking up our cross. And then and only then can we be identified as true followers of Jesus. Now, I'm going to say something here, and we don't have time to go deep into it just yet. But I really believe enemies of the cross are those who profess that they have come to know Christ as their Savior. They haven't acknowledged Him as their Lord, and it just doesn't work that way. It is not Savior, and I'll decide to what degree or or lesser degree I will allow Him to be the Lord of my life. In Scripture, when those two terms are used together, Savior, it is Lord and Savior. And if you're rejecting Christ as Lord, I'm going to say this very strongly. I do not see biblically or personally or circumstantially how you can claim Him as your Savior. How can you say, I do not want Jesus to be my master. I will continue to make Satan my master, but I have my free ticket to heaven, so it really doesn't matter. Honey, I don't believe that you have come to know Christ as your Savior if you haven't acknowledged Christ as your sovereign. It's vitally important that you decide who is going to be your master. One translation says, as I said, you can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God You will end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. Modern day songwriter uh, uh, Bob Dylan uh, wrote a song when he had his his little venture into the Christian faith. And, and he realized that there are only two masters during that time. Don't know where he is spiritually now. God knows his heart. But he wrote something very, very true when he wrote the song, You Gotta Serve Somebody. You gotta serve somebody. It might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you gotta serve somebody. Romans 6 and verse 16 tells us how vitally important it is that we make God our sovereign, Jesus our Savior and our Lord. Listen, our Lord and Savior. Listen to Romans 6.16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourself servants to obey, his servants ye are whom ye obey. I'm going to take this word servant here in context and let you know very, very clearly. It's a strong word, stronger than what we picture when we see the word servant. Because the actual word is slave, someone who has a master and is servant to that master. We are not free to do what we choose, but what our master 
chooses and dictates to us. And if you have a problem with Jesus dictating to you, there's no point in studying the Word of God. There's no point in in finding out what Christ says to us because it will have no effect or influence upon our life until Jesus is Lord of all. Not just Lord of the universe and Lord of the earth and Lord King of kings and Lord of lords, but my Lord and your Lord, whoever you yield your member's servant to obey, his servant you are, his slave you are. Make no mistake about it. Whoever or whatever consumes our time, our energy, and our devotion and our finances is our master. As the paraphrase reads very truly, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you decide and choose to obey. Jesus calls us, friends, to a radical commitment. He leaves us no wiggle room, no vacillating between decisions, no divided loyalties. Listen to Luke 11 and verse 23. Jesus speaking once again. He that's not with me is against me. You see how enemies of the cross, it's not just enemies of the Christian faith, therefore. I believe it's those who profess a born-again experience. They profess that they love the Lord. You know, many people, Jesus said, are going to say to him in that day, when he comes to separate the sheep and the goats, and he comes to separate the righteous from the unrighteous, when angels come to deal with the tares that the enemy has placed strategically in the church that look like the wheat for all practical purposes. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof to change us from the inside out. Oh, friend, we used to sing the camp meeting song after a person gets saved. I looked at my hands and they looked new. I looked at my feet and they did too. I'm in a new world since the Lord changed me. Actually, I've been translated out of the influence of the evil one in this wicked world into the kingdom of God's dear son. I'm under a different rule. Therefore, I've been delivered from one master and delivered to another master. And oh, what a joy it is to bow to him who gave himself for me on the cross. Verse 23, as one paraphrase reads, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Enemies of the cross, I believe, are those who want to live in self and sin without self-denial, without taking up our cross or crucifying the flesh in order to follow Christ. We want to maintain all of that that our flesh desires and claim this born-again relationship with Jesus. 
we become enemies of the cross because every time we are called upon by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God to crucify our flesh, to quit giving in to the flesh, and through giving in to the flesh, giving in to He that influences the flesh, the devil himself. You see, we're serving that Master John's Gospel, not John's Gospel, but 1 John is a kind of a litmus test of the true Christian walk and the true Christian faith. For it says, He that committeth sin is of the devil. What a statement. And then the Bible says, If we say we have no sin, we lie and do not the truth. If we confess it, He's faithful and just to forgive it. How do those two scriptures in 1 John, how do they, how do they sit and balance without contradicting. Because the word committeth means to live in habitually. It doesn't mean to, to get a bad attitude, to, to uh, 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 go through a winter time in your faith and realize it and repent of it, uh, to make that mistake. Listen, what it means is to live in sin habitually committeth is in the continual sense not just a one-time thing repented of when we realize it see a true christian falls down but he doesn't wallow in the mud that he fell into he gets up he cleans up and he goes on and follows jesus but the christian who is his saying i'm a christian who's inwardly an enemy of the cross who doesn't want to take up the cross because it requires the denial of self or the crucifixion of the flesh it's one in the same one or the other is ruling you influencing you today your flesh and the master who who ultimately the flesh will bow to the flesh will not bow to Christ. You can't conform it. You have to. You can't transform it. Your spirit will if you've been truly saved. But you have to deal and I have to deal with the weakness of our flesh. It will always choose the material and the physical over the spiritual and the eternal. But your spirit man who's been reborn will always choose the spiritual and and the eternal over the physical and the material. And when we are seeing so many people today that are listening to the message that promises great wealth and great prestige and great power and great fulfillment and great satisfaction because God wants you to be more like those who are idolized even worshipped by the world. Friend of mine, there's something terribly wrong. Listen to this carefully. We're beginning to see how one could claim to be a follower of Christ and not live a life that demonstrates a radical shift in values. Claiming to be a Christian while holding a worldview is a contradiction of the true faith. James 4 and verse 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, what strong language here! Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? It's not talking about the earth as we see the beauty and all of the variety that God has made. He, he made it good 
before man's fall and Satan's uh, achievement of man's loyalty to himself made it what it has become today. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. The Amplified says, takes his stand as the enemy of God. We used to sing it, didn't we, out of devotion, take this whole world and give me Jesus. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. With no change of heart expressed in a different value system than the world marks us as enemies of the cross and all that his suffering and death accomplished to set us free. These are not obvious enemies without, like Herod, Pontius Pilate, Hitler, Mussolini, Madeleine Murray O'Hare at one point, or the radical Islamic cleric who declares holy war against non-Muslims and the worshipers of the cross. We, as true believers, do not worship the cross, but Christ who died on it. The cross is the symbol of our liberation, our redemption, our victory over Satan and sin's bondage. These enemies of the cross are professing Christians whose loyalties and lives betray their true loyalties. Friend of mine, I want you to know today that we are being called strongly by the Lord to come out from among them. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and I will receive you. Uh, be not unequally yoked, the believer and the unbeliever. For what fellowship hath light with darkness, or Christ with Belial? Let me read as we close from a paraphrase of the scriptures we began with. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine, Paul says, and learn from those who follow our example. For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about life here on this earth. They think only about life here on this earth. I'm taking a little more time than usual, but we're not on radio anymore. I think this is an important message, and I want, while we're in the spirit of it, to get a hold of the truth of it. Listen to what one preacher said. These are people who say they're friends of Christ and the cross of Christ, who advocate Christ, who identify with Christ, whose names are on the church roll, who want spiritual leadership, but they are enemies of the cross of Christ. They are very subtle. It takes discernment to recognize them. C.H. Spurgeon said, Beloved, I would rather have a thousand devils out of the church than to have one devil in it, I'd rather have a thousand devils out of the church than to have one devil in it. You see, a little leaven 
Jesus said will live in the whole lump. That's why from such we are to turn away. And we shall make very sure that we are not becoming the followers of those who are enemies of the cross, but we're following those who are embracing the cross, who are glad to take it up, that they may follow their sovereign and their Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to read this once again. Beloved, I would rather have a thousand devils out of the church than one in it. I do not care about all the adversaries outside. Our greatest cause of fear is from the crafty wolves in sheep's clothing that devour the flock. It is against such that we would denounce in holy wrath the solemn sentence of divine indignation. And for such we would shed our bitterest tears of sorrow. They are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Friend, today if you don't know Jesus, don't shun the cross. Don't run from the cross. Run to the cross. Fall at the foot of the cross. Look up to Him that was bleeding and dying on that cross for your sins and mine. Repent of your sin. Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And all of the powers of hell will not be able to keep you from coming to know Him today. And Christian, take your stand for Jesus Walk with Him. Get close to Him. Follow Him. He's coming soon. Amen.